It's the Hive Sports Podcast, bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. Visit us at thehivesports.com. Against Gobert, puts his shoulder down, rolls inside, try to slam it home, and Rudy said, not tonight! John Beck is on the run, he throws behind him, it is, cut for the touchdown! Merrill for the lead, he's got it! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the RSL Sundays podcast here at the Hive Sports. My name is Ethan Kershaw, joined with Alex Maurer to bring you all things RSL for this week. Alex, how are you doing, man? I am doing fantastic. This is the first time I think maybe ever we've recorded this podcast when the sun is up. We are it was a late game. The game didn't finish and press conferences weren't done until like well past 11 o'clock last night. And we just didn't have that in us. And so we were recording. I'm looking at my clock now. It says 839 a.m. It's a, like a beautiful morning out my window. It is such a different vibe recording this in the morning. But no, I'm doing well. And I'm doing well because today is my favorite holiday of the year. No, it is not Labor Day. It is indeed NFL Fantasy Football Draft Day. I have uh, a home league. This is our ninth season. Uh, I'm commissioner, no biggie. So I spent all of yesterday getting the draft board ready to go, getting all the player name labels cut out. And uh, I am I am extremely excited for what's to come later today. And since some of my friends listen to this, I can be very upfront and open that I am doing my absolute darndest to get Austin Eckler uh, as early uh, as I can because I want I want every piece of that Chargers offense, Ethan. And as a big fantasy football aficionado yourself, what do you think of Austin Eckler number one overall over Christian McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily the smartest move. Uh, I know the Chargers tend to take out Austin Eckler a lot on some drives when he's like tired and rest him, but I, I love Austin Eckler. I've listened to a bunch of podcasts with Eckler on it, and I know he's a big fantasy football guy himself. So I've been doing helps. a ton. Yes, I've been doing a ton of best ball drafts this year, and whenever I have the the third pick and he's still on the board, or third or anything later and he's still on the board, I'm I'm taking him everywhere I can get him. So I got a lot of Austin Eckler shares in a lot of different places. So I feel you on that one. I. I hope the Eckler, Eckler has a great year, which I think he should. So, but this is not a fantasy football podcast. This is a a RSL football podcast. So, um, we are here to talk about RSL. So, sorry if you already tuned out and logged out, but um, we are here. Yes, as Alex mentioned, recording on a Monday morning. So it is an RSL Monday morning, which is a little different, but it's a great vibe, and we're here to talk some RSL. So, Alex, shall we get into the episode today? I don't think there's anything else we can do, Ethan, so I guess we have to. Well, there's one more thing we need to do before we do that, and it is to, if you haven't already, make sure to follow myself and Alex Maurer on Twitter. Find Alex at Alex Maurer. Find me at Ethan Kershaw 9 and you can find The Hive Sports at The Hive Sports on Twitter. They have all of our podcast episodes there, as well as all of our podcast episodes are also on its separate own channel on our bios as well. You can also find all of our episodes there. Be sure to rate and review if you feel so inclined. And uh, if not, we, we still appreciate you listening. Thank you very much for listening today. And uh, let's go ahead and, and start off the episode with our pod trivia segment. Alex, I hope you have a heater of a question for me today. Ethan, what do I not? My question for you today is who has scored more MLS goals this season? Carlos Vela or Sergio Scordova? Carlos Vela or Sergio Cordova? Hmm, well, Vela had a penalty blocked last night that I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, but 
I feel like you're baiting me on this because we talked you so much trash feel like about Cordova, and so I'm going to say Sergio Cordova has more goals than Carlos Villa this year. They are indeed tied, actually. Ah, Both have question. scored eight goals this season, but Vela has 11 assists to Sergio's two. So in the uh, golden boot standings, Vela has the edge. But other than that, they are actually tied for goals scored. How wild is that? That blew my mind when I saw it. But uh yeah, that uh, them's the breaks, as they say. So Sergio Scordova, well done. Keeping pace with a guy, well, kind of, sort of, like Carlos Vela. So I think we'll take it, frankly. Yes, When we were sitting like six weeks ago, I think if you were to say Carlos Vela and Sergio Scordova would have the same amount of goals through three, four, seven MLS MLS season, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Break. Yeah, yeah, definitely. At, at this point in the season, yeah, I think it's uh, he, he's picked it up a little bit, been a little more consistent, so... Nice to see from Cordova, I agree. Um, I have a pod trivia question for you in return, which I told you was going to be a pod trivia question that I was going to ask you. So I'm just going to flip one on you real quick and uh, and catch you off guard, hopefully. So um, on Twitter, Brian Oviedo, new RSL signing, currently has about how many followers? I'll give you a multiple choice on this one (laughs) because I know it it would be a little Uh, bit of a shot in the dark otherwise, but... Brian Oviedo, does he currently have 300,000 followers, 260,000 followers, 230,000 followers, or 170,000 followers? Oh, that's good. Oh, he's going to a World Cup. So, but he does also feel kind of old and kind of like he's not a big social media guy. And I'm basing that entirely off of X vibes. Uh, dang, I'm going to go 230,000 Twitter or is it Twitter or Instagram? Twitter. Oh, nobody's on Twitter. I'm going to go 170. 170,000. Is that your final yeah. answer, Alex? Yes. All right. Well, you should have stuck with the first one. It was at least closer. Oh, was at least closer. But Brian Oviedo actually has 261,000 followers to be exact on there. Um, which Brian is Brian Oviedo. A crazy amount of followers. So Brian Oviedo, very popular on Twitter, apparently. Huh. But yes, I'd love to see it. Good for him. The more you know. Um, all right. So now that you are more knowledgeable about RSL, let's go ahead and move on to our Monarch Minute segment. Alex has this prepared for us, locked in, ready to go. Alex, hit me with it. RSL Academy Trio, consisting of Omar Marquez, Luca Moisa, and Axel Uriostegu. We're called up to a U.S. U15 youth national team camp. All three played major roles in the RSL U15's run to the MLS Next Cup final. In other player movement news, homegrown forward slash winger Chris Garcia was loaned to El Paso Locomotive, former club of one Diego Luna. Garcia has uh, logged a total of four minutes in his RSL career since signing with the team in 2020. So this is hopefully a move that will better suit his abilities. And lastly, the Monarchs played a game this week, and they played it well. The Monarchs beat MLS Next Basement Dwellers, Portland Timbers, 2-4-2-2 at home in Harriman on Saturday. The goals came from Bodie Hidalgo, Tyrone Mondi, Abuk, Bikiembo, Bikiembi. Uh, and last but certainly not, certainly not least, Monarchs Minute legend, Golden the Big Machine, Mafuenta. Most notable from this game for me is the fact that the Monarchs have now strung together more than a couple games in a row with a back three in defense. With Haziel Orozco playing centrally in each one, I'm hoping this primes him for a step to consistent MLS minutes next season. The Monarchs have now won uh, their last five games in a row at home and are looking to finish the season much stronger than they started it. That is all. Excellent. Well, that was pretty close to a minute. Um, You always say that, Ethan. 
it's it's good enough. It's good enough. And you know, congrats to these younger guys getting calls up and uh, and making some moves and uh, and doing very well for the the academy. The academy, I think, has a lot of uh, bright futures on the horizon. If we can if we can say that, so exciting Certainly. things for the uh, the monarchs. And uh, you know what? Next season hopefully will be better. This season hasn't been great, but. Not last. But they're certainly ending it Not strong. Last. I believe they're yes. unbeaten in their last like seven at home, and if one is like, their last five, so they've definitely turned a quarter. I think that getting yeah. consistency in both practice schedule, player management, and uh, starting 11s has helped them helped them immensely. And I think that I think the jump from broadly academy kids to an actual like league was a little bit bigger of a leap than they they were planning but no they've they've, they've come out and looked a lot better in, in recent weeks and there's only a few more games to go out and watch them play so if you haven't done so already try to find a time to get out to harriman because they are they're fun down there especially like the stadium's just great there's it's just wonderful good vibes love them yeah it's, it's it's a lot like smaller games a lot more tight net tight knit but it's it's super fun to go to and knock on wood i think another reason is that uh rsl the first team hasn't had too many injuries as of late which means yeah, not too point. many, yeah, not too many call-ups. players leaving the the monarchs for the first team. But I mean, that would not be the worst thing in the world for experience. But anyways, um, let's go ahead and and move on to our news segment, which doesn't exist today because there's not really <laughs> any news or anything to really. Yeah, I know. can't think of anything. Um, okay, so let's move on then to our next Good segment. segment. Good segment, which will be our game review segment. We got a little bit to dive into this week, as there were two games for RSL throughout this week. You know that we're recording this on a Monday morning. We talked about the late game last night against LAFC. There was also another game this week on a Wednesday night against Minnesota. This game was a a really fun game to be at. Uh, Alex, you and I were both there in attendance. Very fun one, um, Minnesota comes into this game also fighting for a playoff spot a little bit ahead of RSL in the standings. Um, But it didn't really seem to matter uh, too much for Minnesota. They seem to have a very heavily rotated squad in this game. I'm obviously missing guys like Emmanuel Reynoso, Franco Fragapane, a lot of guys who are goal scorers for Minnesota sitting out in this game. Uh, Emmanuel Reynoso not even on the bench. And so um, that causes a, 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 Good game, I guess, from RSL. Sergio Cordova in the seventh minute gets a ball in from Jefferson Savarino. It's deflected up in the air, and Sergio Cordova just has really great positioning. Defenders don't seem to do too much about it. Cordova takes the ball down, puts it past the keeper, gets the first goal of the game, and the teddy bears start flying after that. Um, you know, this was childhood uh, cancer, get the childhood kick cancer game, and so uh, teddy bears were brought, thrown into the onto the field. It was an awesome thing to see. Um, it was and like then, the best thing to see. Oh, it was great. It was I hate awesome. To, I hate to it was run over your, your recap no. here, but that was probably like a top three Rio Tinto oh, Stadium yeah. moment for me. That was so cool. That was just yes. fun to watch. And it happened so early in the game, too, in a game where everybody was kind of worried if we would actually score and if that would cause some issues with the teddy bear toss. But no, it was perfect. The goal wasn't like called back for offside either. That was another one of my big worries is that everybody would throw it and we'd have to pick them all up. And like it didn't even cause that big of a delay. I think we were back like within kickoff. Or, or back to kickoff within like a minute. So it really yeah. wasn't that bad. I don't even know that the team has gotten fined. I know they were like planning on that, but I haven't yeah. seen anything regarding that. So I don't know if maybe you have more intel than I do, but I'm just so glad that they went for it because it was just so much fun to watch. And it was like, it was a lot of teddy bears. Yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> I, was, it was. I was worried there would be like 20, but they had, yeah, no, they packed the stadium out with teddy bears. And uh, yeah. yeah, no, that was sweet. That was really cool. 
Yeah, there were like hundreds. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen anything on a fine yet. I almost wonder if the league's just like, oh, well, they were doing it for cancer. I mean, yeah, they so like it all over their own social medias and stuff. So it's we like can't really bit, find them. We don't want to be jerks about it. But yeah, if you're going to milk it for all it's worth and then uh, toss it to the wayside like one David Ochoa. <laughs> but uh, we'll get to that in our DC preview. But I almost, it almost would be a good thing if we got a fine because ownership has mentioned that they will match any fines given to them. Um, and donate it to childhood cancer research. So yeah. So now if um, you don't get fined, it looks like you're holding out like <laughs> exactly. that you were planning to donate. You know what I mean? Yes. It's a rock and a hard place, but yeah, exactly. Continuing on to the recap, uh, but just a little bit later in the game, there's a ball brought in through across by Aaron Herrera. Um, Sergio Cordova just misses out on it, but comes flying in out of nowhere is one Jefferson Savarino who puts the ball right past the goalkeeper into the net RSL is up 2-0 at halftime. Then at halftime, there was a goalkeeper swap. Um, Saint Cl- Dane St. Clair was injured, had to come out of this game. Tyler Miller comes in to replace him. And then uh, a while later in this game, Anderson Julio comes into the game, and you know what time it is from there. Anderson Julio gets a lovely, beautiful through ball from Andrew Brody right through the middle. Anderson Julio catches up to the ball with his speed and pace. Just flicks it past the goalkeeper and has an open net. He still has a bit of work to do. It's a, it, it's an open net, but there's still a, a defender running, trying to catch up. Anderson Julio's got to get the placement right on it, and he does. Powerful shot right into the net, up 3-0. And RSL wins this game, 3-0, a massive win for this team at home against a team that we weren't sure about them getting a win against. I think we got a little bit lucky that this team was heavily rotated, but it's a huge win nonetheless for a team that needed points at this point in the season, in the playoff race. Alex, what do you think about this win for the team? So it's going to be really difficult for me to kind of compartmentalize the Minnesota review, knowing what then happens in LA against LAFC. So I'm going to do my best here to try to keep it narrow focused and a little bit of tunnel vision for the Minnesota game, because I do feel that the team and the performance deserves to have this performance, I guess, recognized. But as you mentioned, oh, yeah. it was against a really heavily rotated squad playing this week sure. at altitude, all of those things. But we did have to still go out and play the game. We did. And I thought we played it very well. I thought there were some very positive aspects from this game. One being Aaron Herrera, who I thought was really good, who unfortunately we're going to bring up again in the LAFC review for different circumstances. But there were a lot of performances that, I mean, Anderson Julio, like you mentioned, this was a pretty textbook Anderson Julio come into a game late, get in behind the defense and run really fast and score a goal, which is unfortunate to me in some ways because it seems like he's done that so well that he is no longer considered for one of those winger roles that we see. Uh, the depth chart apparently questioned by Pablo Mastroeni on the wings, saying we don't have a lot of wingers when, in fact, I think we do. They just haven't played there in a while. I'm looking at you, Anderson Julio, and Jefferson Savarino. So, I don't know. It was very. It's, it's, it makes me very happy that he scored because he's just one of my favorite players because he's just very fun to watch. Yeah. But also, it does kind of bum me out a little bit that being so good at that role probably solidifies him in that to an extent where he's no longer considered in other positions. But other than him, I thought... Scott Caldwell actually played really well too, who was a guy that came in very, very late because uh, Pablo Ruiz, as we learned, burned his foot on some boiling hot water that morning. So uh, a little bit of a late substitution there, (laughs) but I thought Caldwell played well and he was another one that I thought was fine against LA. So yeah, for whatever that's worth. Uh, But yeah, for me, not a whole lot of other 
like really monumental standout performances. Sergio Scordova had a nice one, a good goal in the seventh minute, but it was some truly horrific defending. I mean, if yeah, you allow bad. a guy to bring a ball down within the six yard box and you still afford him like three to four feet of space and you don't close that when he takes another touch, like it was, it, it was, it was tremendously poor I mean, defending. The, the but he does still have him, the score yeah, the, and he the, did, the and he defender did behind him should not have a job in MLS anymore because, like, you you go back and watch that replay. He's he's lost, man. He doesn't know yeah, what planet was, he's on. It, it was it was really bad. But a goal is a goal is a goal, and they all count the same. So I was yes, very excited about that's true. about it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it it was a good game. It was a great performance. Yeah. Uh, it felt like a real dominant win, which I think is the first time RSL has had that since probably Houston at home, where we won by the same scoreline early, early, early in the summer. So from that perspective, uh, nothing but positives. The team statistically played really well too. If you if you are just looking at the stat sheet, but it's kind of the uh, the underlying narrative of it was a heavily rotated team that uh, I don't think really came with any great expectations. So while it's a win and I'm very happy about it, and we certainly needed it in the standings, I don't know. Like we've kind of said at times this season, how much we can actually draw from the performance because we don't see that a lot of it was repeatable if you look at the team that went down to L.A. And unfortunately, in this game, we lose Justin Glad and uh, Jasper Loffelson to yellow card accumulation, which will certainly come up later in the episode. But uh, it also felt like a good time to get those guys rest anyways. But it is a bummer nonetheless to see them have to miss a game. But for Minnesota, there's not a whole lot left for me, honestly, in this one. I want to be more excited about a win at home. Uh, Jefferson Savarino also brought... Uh, I presume his his child to the post game press conferences, and that was that was adorable. I love when that happens in like all of <laughs> sports. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a fun. It was a very fun night at the stadium. It was a very fun game. But <laughs> like we've said before, like I don't know that there's anything specific that I can draw from this game that one leads me to believe we are going to make the playoffs with any sort of uh, stability and consistency. And two, it doesn't really make me think we can draw from this game any major conclusions that we couldn't have already kind of presented like it just doesn't feel like at any point this season we've had like a real fork in the road game that has decidedly made us or seen us be a team greater than the sum of our parts i think we are a very good counter-attacking team and that's about it and i think we defend really low and i don't think we offer too many opportunities and yeah that's it. I don't really know. This is all I. That's, that's that's all I got in the Minnesota game. Is there anything standing out to you that I've missed? Um, I, I know that, that, every... that sounds more negative than I think that I wanted to. I think no, it, fine, it, it yeah. was it was a very positive result. Clearly, especially a team so close to us in the standings. But it, it, again, it's just really hard for me to compartmentalize this review with the LAFC review. We should, we all should have recorded this one like Wednesday night so that it could have been <laughs> could have been like it could have had its own tenor and tone to it that didn't have the you know the kind of looming shadow of the LAFC loss um you know I I I enjoyed this win and I'm sure everybody did too but I I take I take some positives out of it and it's more mentality than anything else really but if you're looking at the stat sheet um we get both of our our guys who play forward and Jefferson Zavarino Sergio Cordova also Justin Merrim um Savarino and, and Merrim get three shots each, Cordova with two. They all get two of those shots on goal, which is good to see. RSL really dominated this, especially on the stat sheet. 12 shots, seven on target, as opposed to four shots, zero on target for Minnesota in this game. 
um, and they just totally dominated. Part of me wonders now, last week we were talking about if RSL should really go for both of these games this week against Minnesota and LAFC. Um, and I mentioned that they would definitely have a better chance at beating Minnesota. Start your team there, rest your players for the LAFC game. They started everybody for the Minnesota game. The problem is, is they were also planning to go all out for the LAFC game. We saw their lineup, not a lot. Not a ton of guys rested, really, other than uh, like Justin Merrim, which we'll get into. Um, but you mentioned Loffelson and Glad are out in this game due to yellow card accumulation. I almost wonder if you could have just maybe sat them out and started a guy like Nick Beasler at defensive mid or midfielder and at center back. Like, oh, I we'll talk about Kappelhoff, man, but um, <laughs> not Kappelhoff. Maybe like uh, I don't know, like Haziel Orozco. Haziel Orozco, maybe. Just maybe, I think I see what like, you're saying, but I still prefer yeah. having gone for it at home against Minnesota because I, I, I think with our, with our best 11, I still don't know that you go into LA and you can expect anything other than at best to draw. So I think it still makes sense to probably have started the starters, but I do see the the, the kind of frustration when, when both of them are obviously so close yeah. to, to yellow card accumulation. But performance-wise in this one, um, I think I think what we needed in this game is, is stuff that the players themselves needed to have right like it was a i'm sure it's a great confidence boost for sergio cordova to snag another goal in this game jefferson savarino needs to get that goal to you know stay uppity and have confidence which in this game was kind of weird because when jefferson savarino scored like he scores every time and he's just like smiling ear to ear the like finger pointing celebration he wasn't smiling he did the finger point celebration he was not (laughs) smiling though he did i did not see a lot of smiles from jefferson savarino in this This game deep analysis playing um a little bit angry and maybe there's something else going on in his life we don't know but um i like jefferson savarino i guess when he's angry or when he's happy either way he plays great and so jefferson savarino gets a goal anderson julio gets a goal too so all of our forwards that consistently play minutes up top gets a goal in this game another thing you like to see i don't think aaron herrera got credited officially with the assist in this game but aaron herrera gets a, a pretty much an assist andrew he brody shouldn't have had an assist nice there, i'll say it it was a, it took a, it took a massive deflection that changed the intent of the pass he was trying to get it near post i mean you can only assume he's trying to get it near post because from the pass that's where it's going and there's a runner there and then it takes a deflection and it goes behind a defender and wrong foots him and goes straight to the center of the goal that's it's not the same pass he was trying to play like did he make did he complete the action to get the ball into a dangerous area, yes. But for me, that's not enough to warrant an assist. He he essentially missed his pass. So I, I don't know. I I take issue with that. How about this? I'll say he gets the, the slight pass. deflection that Michael Chang had earlier in the year. That one should have been an assist because the ball still made it to the intended area. This one took a deflection from an intentional play by a defender that then moved the pass to another area of the field. So I don't know. That's, that's it's so minuscule and it does not matter at all in the grand scheme of absolutely anything but I think it's fair that Aaron Herrera did not receive an assist there. Okay. Well, he gets the ball into a dangerous, a dangerous spot. How about that? We'll leave it there. I can, he gets the ball into a dangerous (laughs) spot and, and Savarino scores. And so that's something you'll have to see from Aaron Herrera getting more consistent, picking up that confidence. And then Andrew Brody getting an assist. I feel like Andrew Brody has been pretty consistent over this. I would say entire season. He's had a couple of down games, but um, he's looked better and better at left back and starting to be a guy that like, yeah, we feel comfortable playing him at left back whenever he's available and starting him there. And so, um, and then great, you know, 
performance from the defenders. Um, I think we were talking about Zach McMaster distribution in this game, and it wasn't great at times. Hasn't, like he would throw the for, hasn't been for a month, a couple games. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like he threw the ball straight to some Minnesota players several times in this game. Not great distribution. Um, yeah, Zach McMath needs to do better with distribution. Uh, anything else to, to talk about in this game before we move on? I've actually got it in my notes at three minutes and 30 seconds. McMath, horrible distribution. So that, yeah, that lines up go. perfectly with what I saw live in game. But no, I think this is all I got for the Minnesota game. Well, Zach McMath kept the shutout. Nonetheless, the three points are what matter in this game. So RSL moves on to LAFC. Travel to LA for this game. The game was in LA. It was a very tough environment like it always is but notably in this game not starting is carlos vela or gareth bale starting in this game was Giorgio chiellini amongst other players like christian arango still a very strong team it's crazy that this lafc team just has as much depth as they do and we see that depth kind of show through early in the game on this one um There is a goal in the 49th minute from Ryan Hollingshed and a very unfortunate play. And, you know, the first half, the entire first half, LAFC had a lot of chances. It's not like it was a a pretty even game. LAFC had a lot of chances. RSL got very lucky to get to halftime 0-0. Ryan Hollingshed in the 49th minute scores a a very unfortunate goal as Zach McMath comes out to clear the ball. Marcelo Silva does the same. They kind of run into each other. Marcelo Silva knocks Zach McMath down. Hollingshed just gets the ball, falls right to him, and just puts the ball on an open net. Really unfortunate, easy goal. is a bit of a, a, I would say, maybe even a lucky goal in some ways. Just unfortunate that McMath fell over there. Um, and then later in this game, it was kind of inevitable, but Christian Arango gets a wonderful placed through ball and fakes out McMath quite well, sits him down, and then just passes the ball into the net easy as you'd like 2-0 is the final score in this game we saw this coming Alex we both predicted losses in this one where RSL did not score a goal at all get shut out and it came to fruition Um, I will say maybe I guess of note in the 87th minute Carlos Velo uh, gets a penalty Zach McMath with a horrific challenge just absolutely just kicks the the player in the box brings him down Carlos Velo takes the penalty shoots right and Zach McMath saves it incredibly enough. So it didn't really matter at that point. They were down 2-0 still. So 2-0 is the loss. McMath saves a penalty. Alex, is yeah, there you anything to take away from this game? <laughs> There's a lot to take away from this game, I think. You mentioned that we both predicted RSL losses and yep. shutouts. And, you know, I don't think we were prescient in that prediction. I think that was just... It's unfortunate that the writing was on the wall so clearly and it still, you know, kind of shines through yeah. in the way that we that we kind of all saw it coming. I think Matt Doyle summed up this game pretty well when he mentioned that we got out played and out X dogged, and that feels accurate to me. It doesn't feel yeah. like we're up for this game and it doesn't feel like we have the, you know, the class of the LAFC roster. Pretty much from top to bottom. I think obviously you losing Jefferson or Jefferson, Jefferson Loffelson, Jasper Loffelson and <laughs> Justin Glad was extremely tough. Yeah, and Kapilov has not seen a lot of minutes no, this no, year. No, no. And so to get your what his first start since at Atlanta is at LAFC, that's extremely tough. And playing in the midfield, Pablo Ruiz coming off of a slight injury, I guess. I don't know how you would categorize boiling 
your foot. Maybe that actually, now that I say it, it does sound a lot more severe than slight, but I think those guys both stepped back in and played fine. I know a lot of people were upset yeah. at Kabelhoff, but I don't actually, I don't think he actually played poorly uh, by any real degree. And on the, on the first goal from uh, Ryan Hollingshead, I kind of place it more on McMath than I do on Marcelo Silva. I think Marcelo yeah. has every onus to go for that ball unless told otherwise. And I think clearly the, whether McMath screamed for the ball or not, there was not the communication there necessary to call, true. call Marcelo Silva off. And so I, I think if Marcelo doesn't go for that ball and a guy just walks in behind him and heads it in, I think that looks a lot worse than if he goes for it and clatters into his own keeper. So for me, that one's, kind of on McMath, who I thought had, again, a pretty poor game. His distribution in this one also extremely lacking. And as you mentioned, his challenge on the red, or not the red card, excuse me, the penalty kick was egregious. It was late and it was just never, like Dunseth said on the broadcast, it was just, Dunseth, that was weird. Brian Dunseth said on the broadcast, it was just, he was never going to get there. He was never even close. And yeah, McMath had a, has, has had a bad streak of form i think is fair to say i don't know that he has played anywhere near his early season level in the last i don't know i'm trying to think of the last like real stunner mcmath had and i don't know that we've seen one in a in a very long time so that's certainly concerning if we're starting from the back going forwards mcmath clearly clearly not what i think he was early in the season and then i'm just gonna get out of the way now because i think uh i want to talk about it now because i don't want to talk about it later and aaron herrera had one of his worst games of the season, in my opinion. And I can't figure him out. I absolutely cannot figure out Aaron Herrera because coming into this game, I thought he probably had the best three to five game stretch he's had all season. He was playing at a high level defensively. He was serving in crosses, like you mentioned, into dangerous areas. Some of them assists, some of them not. But he had been playing very well and had been certainly, certainly a more cohesive part of the attack. And in this game, he looked devoid of all confidence which is not an issue i think we see aaron herrera having for rsl at any point in his career thus far he's just he's a big confidence guy i mean he we talked to him a lot of the postgame pressers and he believes in himself more than just about any other player i think at least yeah. lets on publicly and i think that is a very admirable attribute and i think one that professional athletes you know thrive on in most circumstances but in this game specifically he looked like he did not trust himself to defend nor attack and it I think it was in the it was very late in the second half in the 80 some odd minute where he serves in a cross that can't even beat the first defender and wasn't particularly close to beating the second if it had made it over either. And it was the same cross that he's been playing in the last few weeks that have been so successful. And there was another time early in the first half where he's just turned like a top and then they serve in a really good ball. There were two instances within the first 35 minutes where a poor clearance from Aaron leads directly to an LAFC shot. There was the one that I can remember in about the 20th where he turns inside his own box and plays it back across the middle on the ground and immediately comes back to get get a shot on target for LAFC. And his biggest highlight of the day was clearing a ball off the line, which only happened because he had subsequently or he had <laughs> previously been beaten in the air in the post <laughs> yeah. off of one of the most like simple check your shoulder runs you can imagine like the attacker just beats him to the space and beats him to the ball. And the only reason it doesn't end up in the back of the net is because it takes a weird kind of half bounce before it gets there and he can't really find a good header on it. So I don't know what to do with Aaron Herrera. If you told me right now you could only keep one of Andrew Brody or Aaron Herrera, I genuinely do not know who I would take. Now, what if I, I told you? I would and that sounds wild. It and, is. You know, it if, is. Let's say for the, for the end of the season, we've got what, five, six more games left? 
for those five games, if you told me you could only have Aaron Herrera or Andrew Brody, not both, I do not know who I would take. Because Andrew Brody has had a level of consistency that I don't think Aaron has. And to get into some fantasy football vocabulary, (laughs) I think Andrew Brody's ceiling is a lot lower, but I think his floor is a lot higher than Aaron Herrera's because we have seen some truly baffling games from Aaron Herrera. He had another one where there was just a foul from behind with a defender or with an attacker with his back to goal, and he just chops him down, and it leads to a good free kick opportunity for LAFC. It's, I don't know. And I don't want to seem nitpicky, but in this game, I just cannot recall many if any moments of him playing at the same level that he was the last three weeks i just i don't know it seemed like he was in his head it seemed like he had kind of psyched himself out and that's not a thing that i think we've said about aaron maybe ever i mean aaron herrera is always live for a red card every now and then so like you never know what i don't even know that i love like like i i I agree with you he's had some he's had some bad ones this year and he's had some great leading into last year too so i guess i guess maybe maybe that's fair but Alex, man, I just don't know. He's been, he was, ah, what if I told you that at the end of the season, we had to only keep one of them between Aaron Herrera or Andrew Brody. And then the other one is sold for like roughly value price. Because in that situation, I don't know what market value is for Aaron Herrera anymore. I I, I, I don't know either. Value is at 2 million plus. I think now you could maybe get 700,000 in cam for maybe, (laughs) maybe, but you'd probably get a lot less for Andrew Brody still. No, I agree with you. That, that That's kind of what I'm saying. And I'm saying not for the long term. I'm saying for the last five to six games of the season, for this stretch run, would you rather have Andrew Brody or Aaron Herrera? It's I don't think it's an easy sure. question. I think it's, I, I think I think it's, it's really not, difficult. I think it's difficult, but I had, I, if I had to choose, I would take Andrew Brody. He's just... He's, I think I agree with you. And then you could play him on better. the right and Oviedo on the left. And I don't know that that's a worse yeah. option. than Because, I mean, Andrew Brody's been fantastic in attack and he's playing on largely his weak side, which I know he gets to cut in on his right foot, which seems to be his most favorite thing. But I think yeah. that's probably a byproduct of having to play on the left. I think if he was playing on the right, he would have more opportunity to whip in crosses a la Aaron Herrera and hopefully have some level of success. And I don't want to, you know, negate the good performances that Aaron did have. Cause as I mentioned, I think he was on a really good form coming into this game, but he's just had such an up and down year and it doesn't seem dependent on who's on the field because those guys haven't really changed that much. It seems more dependent on, uh, and I, it, it sounds, I don't know, I hate saying it because it's very, you know, Master Oeni-esque, but it, it feels like which player shows up. It feels like a very mentality-based sort of thing for Aaron on whether or not he's locked in. I don't know. I don't know. It feels weird. Obviously, he has regressed a ton with losing Dami and not being able to cross into any aerial dominant players for the vast majority of games. But man, this is a really, really poor performance and one that really bummed me out because I really felt as if he had turned a corner and we were seeing a new Aaron Herrera, but, but alas, man, for me, he was probably the worst starter on the field, but I think it's fair to say Scott Caldwell played like, okay in this game. And so like, I don't know. I, you know, actually I have to go back to my other take earlier or your take earlier about Kapelhoff because I don't think Aaron Herrera was the worst one on the field. I think that it was Johan Kapelhoff. There were multiple times watching this game. I saw attackers just running right past Kapelhoff, man. Like Kapelhoff not getting to the ball, other attackers getting there before. And maybe it's a byproduct of just LAFC being like that good. But Kapelhoff just has not looked the part for me. Like I, I, I don't like, I don't like having him start alongside anybody at this point. Like he has not looked good in the last couple of games. He's played the minutes that he's gotten recently. Hasn't looked good. And you know what? 
Neither has Eric Holt. Eric Holt had a fantastic start to the season, and then he gets injured and then comes back, and he's just not the same, unfortunately. Um, I want I want calls and shouts for Haziel Orozco to get out there. I'm serious. Like, And you said last week, you said, are we really going to start Haziel Orozco in this game? Just like throw him to the wolves like against LAFC? I think we definitely should have started him in this game, and it's not throwing him to the wolves. We've seen Haziel Orozco play with confidence. The guy is very good, very talented. And I'm not saying that we would have won this game or necessarily have gotten a draw or a point out of this game. If we had started Haziel Orozco, I'm just saying that I don't think the mistakes that Kapelhoff had made in this game would have been there with Haziel Orozco. Um, yes, there were mistakes from Kapelhoff. Like if you go back and watch the film, there's players getting by him. He's not getting to balls fast enough. He just, he's, I understand he's got a lot of experience as a veteran in this league, but he's just not quite, he's not quite a hundred percent game level. It doesn't, he doesn't look the part to me as a starting center back. And you see the world of difference when Justin Glad starts like Justin Glad just completely changes the game for us. And we play a lot better when Glad's in, but Haziel Orozco for me should be the next guy to come in. If you don't have a Justin Glad or a Marcelo Silva available and you're playing that back forward. Yeah, like, like you're you're start talking the to kid. me, the biggest uh yes. Orozco fan. Start the kids. I think out there, and yeah, I'm a big play your kids advocate, but I think the club has made a clear decision to give Haziel the rest of the MLS next pro season. I, I yeah. Whether or not I agree with that decision, I think it's it's pretty clear at this point that that is it's true. going to happen. And to be fair, Haziel has played extremely well for the Monarchs, and I have to imagine that will translate at least to some level to his RSL career. And he is getting a lot of experience in that back three, which hopefully adds another tool to his uh, repertoire going into next season. And I have to wonder, this is not, this is pure speculation. If there's some sort of contract incentive, they don't want him to hit for RSL because he is the (laughs) lowest paid. uh, One of the, like the Academy kids that signed, he's only making like 65, not only, I mean, he's 17, he's making $65,000. It's pretty sweet. But uh (laughs) Out of those, that like academy grouping, he was yeah. like the lowest spend. And mm-hmm. I just wonder if, because it was so weird that he came in, played very well, played very poorly against NYCFC like everybody else, and then was immediately cast off to the Monarchs without yeah. another, like without a single training opportunity for the rest of the summer. It, it feels weird. like there's something it's there really along like contract lines or or something else that outside of soccer. Because it, if, if it is just soccer, it doesn't make sense to me why he's not playing. But I agree with you. I think it would have been to some degree beneficial for him to play in a game like this, albeit extremely difficult, possibly a lose-lose situation where, you know, if he plays his mind, like plays out of his mind, we still go out and lose. And, and you know, maybe that's, that's, that's not a real positive for him, but in a similar vein, I think Diego Luna should have started this game as well. Rubio Rubin at wing is a very curious decision to me. <laughs> and yes. even more curious is Brian Oviedo on the right wing, yeah. What are we doing? Like Taylor Twelman, what are we doing? Dot gif insert here. We have wingers. There are wingers on this roster. And we go out and we play a 30 some odd Costa Rican left defender at right wing, which I guess according to Matt Montgomery, he's played before, but still it seemed it's weird. It seemed like a weird fit. And one, because I remember even in post-game pressers after Minnesota, Pablo mentioned that the only reason he really played on the left wing in that game was 
almost purely out of necessity just because there weren't other options available. And in this game, we see him at right wing, even though there kind of are other options available. I mean, you go to an Anderson Julio, you go to a Diego Luna. There are guys out there that can play that spot at a high level because I've seen it. I know they can play that. And so for me, that was that was probably the oddest line of choice, perhaps of the year. But yeah. credit where it's due. I mean, he didn't play horribly. He, he certainly, as I mentioned on Twitter, he kept us afloat in a game, in a very difficult game on the road. So I guess that's a, a positive. But yeah, like like you're saying about playing the kids, there were opportunities for them to do that here. And there have been opportunities ad nauseum in Pablo's RSO career. And time after time, he chooses not to. And for a club that predicates so much of what they want to do on the seventy million dollar facility that they built in Harriman, it's it, it's all like it's getting to the point where it's almost laughable how focused they are on not playing the kids. Yeah, Aaron yeah. Herrera, Justin Glad, love them. They're fantastic, great players. They're still young to a degree, but they are no longer young soccer players you know you know what i mean like they are no longer you were no longer selling aaron herrera on his potential you were selling aaron herrera on his abilities and i think that is a very big distinction that you can't make with a guy like diego luna like diego luna his potential is still absolutely sky high and something that you can sell as a value on top of his current abilities and to be able to maximize profit and to be able to maximize roster flexibility in terms of monetary gain you have to be able to leverage potential for young players that you can then sell on. Yeah. And the longer you wait to play them, the lower their potential ceiling comes. And I am not saying we should be trotting out an MLS next pro lineup in major league soccer. I understand that the playoffs are largely on the line and coaches are naturally going to trust older, more veteran, more experienced players over young players. However, I don't think that's a good strategy for this team. I think this team has done so well to build the academy, build the facility. They are now using the Monarchs in a way that actually utilizes young players instead of utilizing RSL castoffs like Luke Mulholland in a freaking final where Richie Ledesma sits. I'm sorry, but down the stretch, Luke Mulholland was getting minutes over Richie Ledesma, and that just frustrates me to absolutely no end. And we have yet to see them bring a guy from the Harriman facility to the Monarchs to the first team and sell him on. What are we doing? Yeah. Look at the Philadelphia unit with plus 42 goal differential. Plus 42 tied atop the supporter shield standings. I'm not saying we are going to become Philadelphia overnight, but I am going to say that we had a five year head start on the rest of the league with the Academy and we have failed to capitalize on it. And I'm sorry that this, I don't even know how this conversation got brought up in this LAFC review, but why is Diego Luna not seeing more not just more minutes but more contributions yeah why is he not getting a look when we're down short on wingers or when we have to play a guy like rubio rubin up top who hasn't scored in a calendar year whatever he's at right now it's it's not good for him i just don't get it i don't i I do not get it like i understand pablo is probably fighting for his job right now and he sees that as the cutoff being the playoffs and he's doing everything he can to make that but there is still the distinct possibility that younger players can offer more in the short term than older players, despite their you know greater experience for whatever that's worth. And I think Diego Luna showed that in the he second would've. half. 
Yeah, he would have. I think he did. Sure. I think he had a couple of yeah. really, really solid moments. And that's not to say Diego Luna has been perfect. I think even in his Monarchs appearances, he hasn't been he hasn't been absolutely stellar or, you know, world beating. But I do think that there is something there clearly that we have seen in his short little cameos that deserves more playing time and deserves more of a integration into the first team. I think he should be a guy that RSL is is truly more building around than just trying to force you know, kind of a round peg into a square hole. And I think that's fair to want as fans because when the general manager comes out and says he's one of the major summer signings, you should be able to expect something like that. And and to your point earlier about Johan Kappelhoff, I think on the broadcast, Brian Dunseth made a joke that LAFC stands for LA Financial Club. And (laughs) while that is, you know, genuinely hilarious, there is something to be said for the fact that LAFC's major off-season arrivals were Giorgio Chiellini, Gareth Bale, the new striker whose name I can't pronounce, and ours were Scott Caldwell and Johan Kappelhoff. Like, really, that, that's that's what we're going up against here. Our yeah. biggest off-season, our, probably our biggest off-season contribution has been a third-round draft pick that we passed on in the second and first rounds. A guy that just came up absolutely out of nowhere. And Sergio Cordova, he's got eight goals now. I have to, I have to acknowledge him as a major offseason acquisition. But come on, I mean, the problem I see is that it's it, it's not an excuse that LAFC, LA Financial Club, is is outspending us because it's never going to change. Yeah, the haves and the have-nots of MLS. Small market. Yeah, it's you're never going to see the spending restrictions get tighter in MLS. You're only going to see them loosened. And so, if our excuse, you know, forever now is that other teams are just spending more and we can't compete. What's the point? What yeah. are you doing? Find a way. Exactly. Find a way. And, and I think that way is by playing young kids and selling them yeah. on and generating cash that way that you could then spend a little bit more freely than discretionary ownership spend. Wow, that was a that was like a real, real tangent rant I went on there, dude. I think I blacked out for the last like four or five <laughs> minutes. It just frustrates me. Play Diego Luna more. Play Haziel Orozco. Sell the kids make a whole bunch of money, spend it all, go get a $10 million striker. Oh yeah, we're going to play Christian Benteke in a week. That sucks. <laughs> Just give me something and stop using other teams spending a lot of money as a reason for your shortcomings because it's not going to change. And if the teams that spend the most are going to win MLS Cup, then what are we playing for? What are we doing yeah. here? What are we doing? Find a way to compete. Find a way to win. Freaking Philadelphia <laughs> Union have a plus 42 goal differential. It's crazy. That it blows my mind. Plus 42. LAFC is like plus 25. Yeah. And they're doing yeah. it with a roster that is not that far off from our own. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of spend, in terms of build, in terms of designated players, their roster is not that dissimilar from ours. Well, they just have they just have a coach and a general manager with a solidified plan that they have built upon. And they figured it out. They've figured it out. They've trial tested sure. it. They've made it work. And we should give Garth Lagerway a bajillion dollars to come to RSL and do the same thing. I, I truly believe that. And and while he's at it, bring Landon Donovan too. Bring yeah. Landon Donovan to coach Garth Lagerway to be the GM. Pay whatever money. Just sign a blank check. Let Garth figure that part out. And then spend, oh, I don't know, like three to four million on like new salaries. And we probably win four to five MLS Cups in the next 10 years. But I digress. At this point, bring Landon Donovan over to play. We'll take it. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, he'd be a winger we could use. That'd be nice. <laughs> but um, is, is Dennis Buanga the striker? Yeah, that you the striker's pronounce? name that I can't. Dennis can't Buanga, I believe this was his first start after coming over from the French league and uh, Saint Etienne. 
And so he was the guy that they brought over that they were like, oh, we're probably going to have to get rid of Chicho Arango. And RSL yeah. was one of the teams that I asked Pablo, and he was like, yeah, we look at Chicho Arango. And he was too expensive. And LA Financial yes. Club, man, they got us again, I tell you. Dennis Belonga uh, played very well in this game. But Alex. Chicho Arango, two goals against RSL in two games. You love to see it. Yep. Alex, to see it. do you want me to give you a, a bit of a silver lining? Because I feel like we need a little bit Dude, more I of a positive so light bad. on this podcast. Yeah, okay. Right. I, I, I absolutely do. So let's try and look at this game as positive as we possibly can in this game. Um, we didn't get thrashed t- 5-0. Exactly. You and I predicted I predicted 3-0. You predicted 5-0. It wasn't as bad as that. It was only 2-0 against a very, very good LAFC team. Granted, they by that <laughs> McMath. Penalty save, huh? I didn't yes. realize three points were on the line there for you. Dang. Yep, there you go. <laughs> great. Let's go. I know. I was uh, I was thinking about that during the penalty, and probably that's why that's why missed it. So, um, but no, it was it like LAFC is coming off a obviously a streak of unfortunate runs as of late. Like they had lost their last three games outright. So now the supporters shield fight is is back in at Philadelphia and LAFC are now tied at sixty points for the supporters shield. So it's a tight race for that. They need to get points in this game. It's an LAFC team, man. Like they're very good. They're at home. What do you want? They're they're a great team. But I want us to be very good at home. I understand. I understand. I understand. And we tried, but we didn't do very good job. But um, at the same time, RSL in this game has a couple of players that get shots in this game that are on goal. Like Rubio Rubin shot on goal. Anderson Julio shot on goal. Savarino shot on goal. Brian Oviedo Anderson's shot on goal. Sweet, by the way, that header that was awesome. That was so yes. close. That was probably our best chance of the night. And I'm I agree. Remember when Anderson Julio is not good enough in the air to come on late for Sergio <laughs> Cordova. So every time he hits the ball, header. I'm just like, nice, let's go. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a goal, um, but it was it a great like save one. by uh, by Maxime Maxime Crepo. Fantastic save for him. Um, but. These, these shots that we're getting on goal, like we had eight shots in this game and five were on goal. Guess what? LAFC had 20 shots in this game. <laughs> Seven on goal. Seven on goal. We had five on goal. Like the, the ratio of on goal shots in this game for us wasn't as bad as maybe it looked in the but game. Not all shots on goal are created equally. It's true. We had a lot it's of true. speculative it's true. efforts from distance, which uh, it's true. I think, but they were stats a little bit. They were on target, is what I'm saying. It's it, I'm trying to go for positives here, Alex. Don't ruin that. my vibes, you're right, man. You're right. I'm sorry. Ethan, it, I at just least can't help myself. I at least they were accurate. I will say that. Um, and then lastly, I will say too that um, later in the game, I thought we looked much better. Now, obviously, Chicho Arango scores in the 68th minute. Which wasn't great, but you notice the, the subs brought into this game. Like Justin Miram comes in along with Anderson Hooley in the 59th minute, and then the, the goals in the 68th minute. Right after that, in the 69th minute, we bring in Diego Luna. We bring in Brian Ojeda to the midfield, and then in the 88th minute, Michael Chang. Not much of note, but I will. I want to focus on Diego Luna and Brian Ojeda in that 69th minute coming in. They were great, and I think that they they changed the game a little bit. Honestly, like. At, at that point, when they came into the game, teams looked pretty even. Brian Ojeda was flying around the field. That dude's got wheels. Like, he he ran a lot in this game, and he was everywhere on the field, and he played pretty well. And we mentioned Diego Luna. Diego Luna played pretty well in this game as well. Um, I w- we just want to see more from him. But the game looked pretty even. Like, there weren't too many opportunities for LAFC after those guys were brought in. It looked like RSL almost maybe even took control at points in the game after that. And so that's something that that 
The what? I mean, that is a generous read, my friend. It is. <laughs> it's it's point of this game because I'm trying to be positive here, okay? That is trying a to be positive reading of this game, but I digress. I'm giving the most positive things I can possibly give. I'm giving every if positive want, thing for my here's, soul. So. Here's, like genuinely the actual silver lining. The most positive moment in this entire game was when uh, Pablo Ruiz goes down, clutching his knee, and he didn't blow his ACL and MCL because that hyperextension <laughs> looked horrific. Oh, yes, it did. Yeah, I don't bad. know if I'm just really you know bad. too ready for fantasy football and I'm just too engaged <laughs> in ACL and tears, but oh my goodness, he jammed his knee up so bad and he popped yeah. right back up and played the remainder of the game. I, it looked scary. Like, a, like a season ender. I do not know yes. how his knee is okay, but that was that was incredible. And that is yes, my story. We're glad that he's safe. That Pablo Ruiz is not out for the rest remainder of the season and largely into next season. Yes. That, that was a huge silver that looked lining. like a distinct um, possibility. That's one of those. I think that if, if that happens on turf and you kind of get jammed up in those little black pebbles, I Could think. Be bad. Yeah, I think I think it's probably a worse outcome for him. So glad. Well, he's okay. I just I just lining. I just want to say that I feel like RSL played a lot better when those substitutions were made in the second half. Yeah, when and, down two zero, yes. and the other team doesn't really care to control the ball, and they'll just that's fine. It. We'll take not it. To I'm that same team would then go on to win a penalty, and Carlos Vela missed one by about a foot and a half over the bar off a really good run. But yeah, no, I agree. Nick saved it. Well, <laughs> he saved Nick it. Matt I give him credit for at least saving the the goal. Well, I guess he had one, but then they scored the. But, but Brian Ojeda looked good. Diego Luna looked good. I'm trying to throw all the yeah. positivity I can in here. What do you? What else do you want from me? They lost the game 2-0. Okay, yeah. so I'm going to end on that on my positive <laughs> note. Alex, do you have a negative note for us to end on, or are we ending this uh, on a positive note? No. The po- honestly, the, the silver lining is that Javier Chicharito Hernandez tried a Panenka <laughs> in the in stoppage yeah. time, tied That's terrible for the LA <laughs> Galaxy against Sporting Kansas City, and bad. he missed, and it was incredible. Like, I didn't miss. It was saved. It was it was wonderful. So Fabian Espindola did the same thing for DC years ago, and yes. that, that's honestly the silver lining, because if LAFC, or if LA Galaxy are sitting two points higher than they currently are with a game in hand, it looks a lot tighter than it does right now for RSL, but I still still really worry about the team's playoff outlook, man. We've just, that schedule, whew, that schedule's just tough. It's going to come yeah. down to decision day and it's going to be awesome. And I actually really kind of hope it does. Cause that could be very, very fun to watch, but well, it yeah, will be exciting. That's my, and that's my conclusion. Well, thank you. I agree. That's another silver lining is that, you know, Chicharito misses that penalty and it's two, two, they don't get the full three points. So that was great to see, but moving on now to our game preview segment, uh, this game is going to be very interesting. DC United comes to town to play RSL Salt R- 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 RSL Salt Lake. RSL Salt Lake. RSL Salt Lake. Yeah, that's how much brain fog I've got right now. It's great and fun. Um, but okay, DC United will come to town, and it's the return for one David Ochoa, which makes headlines instantly and will be the first <laughs> thing of note in this game. But the game is going to be on Saturday at Rio Tinto, September tenth. At 7.30 p.m., Christian Benteke also likely to probably start in this game, I would say. Um, he got his first couple of minutes in the last, I believe, last game. So um, yeah. getting his, his wheels from under him now. So, um, Alex, are you? I, I remember looking at this game earlier when we were talking about the schedule and you said, are there any games here that you are confident that RSL can win? And even with the David Ochoa news, I think even we knew Benteke was signing there at that point, too. I said that this was the game that I am confident that RSL will win. Are you as confident as I am about this, Alex? Uh, you should be confident. DC, you're dead last at MLS with 26 points from 29 games. You should be confident. I 
am also confident, actually. Steve Birnbaum's out in this one with yellow card accumulation. Yes. Not that that makes too huge of a difference, but I am confident. I mean, you should always be confident playing an Eastern Conference team at home, especially one that's the worst in the league. However, I am not as interested in the outcome of the game as I am <laughs> in the storylines for this one. I unfortunately won't be at the game, too. That absolutely devastates me that I won't be there for this. But the return of David Ochoa and the conclusion of hashtag Benteke Watch 2022, hashtag Benteke to RSL, those two storylines are much more interesting to me than the actual outcome of this game. If David Ochoa does not start and does not play, I will be furious. I will, will. never forget. He'll start. I think he will. I think I think clearly he will. He's played, he's played fairly well for them. Little up-down. But uh, that, for me, is, is, is truly this game. I want to see David Ochoa waste time from the national anthem. I want him wasting time walking out onto the field. I want him doing absolutely everything he did for RSL cranked up to 11. I want it so badly. I want, I I hope he shuts us out. I hope he stands on his head. I hope he wastes a bunch of time. I hope he talks a lot of trash. I hope he wears the captain's armband. That'd be hilarious. That'd be so much fun. Did that. I hope he talks to the fans. I hope he pumps balls into the crowd when he wins. I hope for everything. I hope for it so badly. And I also hope Christian Benteke comes in and scores a hat trick because I wanted him at RSL so bad. He came from a blitzer club for a position of need for RSL. And can you imagine how different this different this LAFC game maybe kind of looks if Cordova and uh, Christian Benteke are starting up top and Savarino's wide and I don't know, maybe an Anderson Julio's wide as well. I don't know. I think I think it goes at least slightly better for us. But I hope to see him score a bunch of goals for hashtag Benteke Watch 2022. And that's pretty much all I got for this game. I'll be honest. I'm more interested in those two little storylines than I am in the game. I think RSL should win. I'm going to predict an RSL win, actually. I'm going to predict probably 3-2. I think there's goals in this one. I think there's goals in this one. I'm going to predict 3-2. And I hope every single time we score against David that we also talk trash to him, too. I just want... Oh, man. (laughs) I just want this one to be fun. I just want this one more than anything to be entertaining television. And maybe that doesn't make for the best prediction, but that's what I want very badly. You know, I'm feeling less confident as I started to scroll and look through the last last couple of results. Like in games that David Ochoa has started for DC United, it's a small sample size, four games, but in three of those four games, he's only allowed two goals. He had, they they played LAFC, man, and he started a goalkeeper and they only lost one zero. And <laughs> that's kind of crazy. Um, and then they played against Colorado this last game, and they tied 0-0. Shout, Shout out. out. Nice. Um, and then the game before that, they even won. And it was against NYC. Like, NYCFC is not the same as they were last year, but it's still NYCFC, and they won. And they only allowed a goal in that game. So, like, it's a little worrying, but I, I still, I'm, <laughs> I'm fine. So excited, I'm fine. It's still man. fine. I can't wait. It's still David fine. Ochoa it's going to be a back. really, it's going to be a, yeah, because I'm of David Ochoa so and Christian Menteke. It's so going mad. to be a very fun game. Um, a lot of headlines, a lot of storylines, but I do think RSL wins this game. Let's get into our score predictions and, uh, and our ones to watch for this game. Alex, I'm going to turn it over to you first for your score prediction. Let me know what you think is going to happen in this game. Yeah, I guess I already teased mine, but 3 2 RSL win is probably what I, feel comfortable choosing but i'm also horrific at this i'm so bad at our prediction standings what do i have eight points through 20 some odd games it's really bad it's yeah. really it's, it's difficult out here but yeah i'm gonna go three two rsl win and goals come from all the forwards i don't know my one to watch diego luna again i'm gonna just keep doing that on repeat until he gets a yeah. start 
this feels sure. like a fantastic opportunity to give the kid a start. I think if you're wanting to bring him along slowly, it doesn't necessarily make sense to start him on the road at LAFC. Okay, fine. I get that. Should have started midweek against Minnesota. Didn't. This is the next best opportunity at home against the worst team in the, in the league. He should be starting. I don't care where he starts. If it's an attacking mid, if it's at central mid, if it's more out wide, if it's up top, I don't care. I just want to see him start and I want to see him play. And if he falls on his face, then great. Then we learned something. But until then, like we, do, I don't think he will. So you know, I'm I'm hopeful. But that's my one to watch. And it's like I don't even want. To, I don't even have anything to watch for. I just I want you to watch him if he plays, and just see if he passes your objective eye test, listener. But yeah, he's my one to watch. That's my score prediction, Ethan. What say you? Well, I uh, would love to differentiate as far as the score prediction goes from what you want to go with because. I'm um, but I'm not going to, I can't do that. Good faith. I'm not going to, you think I'm really going to predict a draw or a loss at home against the worst team in the East. That's not happening. I'm going to predict a win, but maybe not as many goals as you think. I'm going to say two to one RSL. I think RSL gets the win in this game, but I, I think that, I think that that Benteke lack of signing is going to, to hit us. And I think that Benteke gets a goal in this game. And I hope so. It's so going to be ridiculous. And I watch 2022, but, but I think it's in the second half. Um, I think the RSL is up to zero and then Medteke scores, makes it a little more competitive, a little more uh, sketchy near the end. But I still think RSL comes away with a win in the three points, which they very much so need. And my one to watch in this game is going to be directly related to the Christian Menteke prediction of him getting a goal in this game. It's going to be Marcelo Silva. Okay. So, Marcelo Silva isn't a guy that ever comes up on our one to watch segment. I never, none of us have, really, I don't know if we've ever talked about Marcelo Silva as our one to watch in a game, but he's going to be my one to watch in this game. Justin Glad likely back uh, in this game, which will be great to have him. But I, I think Marcelo Silva is going to be the guy that's a little more important. Christian Benteke is not a, a fast, agile striker by any means. He's a bigger guy for sure. And he's tall too. That's kind of right up Marcelo Silva's alley. Marcelo Silva is the same thing. He's a bigger guy, taller dude. I think that Marcelo Silva probably will have marking duties on Christian Benteke if I had to guess on like corners and set pieces and whatnot. And so I want Marcelo Silva to show up in this game. I don't want Benteke to score in this game. And I don't want him to I I, I don't want him to score at all. So if I'm predicting 2-1 and I'm thinking Benteke scores. Marcelo Silva is going to be the guy to prove me wrong in this one. He's going to be the guy to shout out Benteke. We need him to come through. And if we do want to secure the three points, he's going to be essential in shouting out not only Benteke, but the entire DC United attack in this one. So Marcelo like Silva, it. my one to watch here. Alex. Actually, I don't can think I make we have... my one to watch David Ochoa? Can we do players? Oh my gosh. Because clearly, I mean, obviously my one to watch I'm not going to let that happen. Is David Ochoa. And of course, no. it's Christian Benteke too. Hashtag Benteke. We know you love the narrative here with David Ochoa. <laughs> and I'm not going to let you make another player for a different team a one to watch. Even though I allowed it with, Whatever you with uh, off the crossbar guys came on. Wasn't but... it Trevor that wanted, to be, wanted yeah. it to be a player that wasn't on the on RSL? Yeah, I think so. They were guests. I'm I'm nicer to guests though, so sorry. I'm not going to let you <laughs> make you David a show. But I understand. I understand your set sentiment there. Um, Alex, do we have anything to to end with before we we turn off this episode? Today? I don't know. It's such a beautiful early morning Labor Day Monday. Go out and enjoy it. Hopefully, this drops relatively soon so that people can can listen on their on their day off. If you got a Labor yes. Day barbecue, there is no better background music than RSL Sundays. I tell you. So yeah, yes, I got nothing. 
but don't ignore your family members at the barbecue if you're no, bringing around like, like a campfire situation like you play it around oh, it's, it's a socializing a speaker. event to listen yes exactly exactly that's oh. what i mean yes refer to all your refer all your friends and family to rsl sundays as the best rsl podcast out there we truly believe that we put out the best content for you all and we want to keep just doing the best we possibly can to make sure that that is the case so thank you all very very much for listening today really appreciate your time um if you want to or feel so inclined please uh rate or review the podcast uh on apple podcasts or um also hit us up on twitter and let us know any of your comments, questions. If you have ways that we maybe can improve the podcast, we're all ears. Definitely love to hear recommendations from you. But uh, if not, be sure to, if you're not already, follow Alex Mauer on Twitter at Alex Mauer and follow me at Ethan Kershaw 9. And then also follow the Hive Sports at the Hive Sports on Twitter, where you can find all of our episodes. Alex, I think this is it. So shall we sign off? Yeah, it feels weird doing so when the sun is in the middle of the sky. But yes, Ethan, let's get out of here. Well, a happy Monday morning and Labor Day morning to you all. I hope you are all enjoying, hopefully, your day off of work. And we will talk to you all after the DC United game next week. Thank you. TheHiveSports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State, covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. TheHiveSports.com. We may even feature your high school, so check us out today at TheHiveSports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out TheHiveSports.com because we got the buzz.